This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Welcome to episode 93, where we are going to talk about fodder. Um, If you have not yet, please don't forget to go give me a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Um, You can find me by searching the handle at Dr. Jimmy. That's at D-R-J-Y-M-E. I love to try to continue the conversation of these episodes on those social media channels. So if I bring something up and it makes you kind of question something or, or it brings about other questions, please hop over to those social channels and either send a message or leave a comment. And um, I'd be happy to continue that conversation and answer your questions. So I spent this week at nutrition, equine nutrition meetings, and I got to learn about all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, And I also got to spend time with a lot of my um, fellow colleagues or other nutritionists uh, in in the industry. So it's always fun to kind of get together with people, um, share stories, share experiences, uh, network, and just remember that we're kind of all in this together. Um, you know, so there were, there were independent equine nutritionists there. There were, um, nutritionists who worked for, um, multiple different feed companies, supplement companies. Um, there were researchers there. Um, so just kind of the whole, the full gamut of people that were involved in the equine nutrition industry. So um, it was a very fulfilling week for me, um, educationally or intellectually, but it was a very exhausting week (laughs) from being on the road and then also trying to catch up with um, all of my office things um, and also all of your questions, your messages and emails and comments. Um, So if if I have not gotten back to you yet, I apologize. I do... um, the, the at Dr. Jimmy pages, I do do those personally. So if you reach out to me, um, the responses come actually from myself, um, which is cool. But when I'm on the road and traveling, um, that means that sometimes my responses are delayed. So I apologize in advance for anybody that's maybe waiting still. Um, so one of the most fascinating presentations, I think, from this week, or at least one that really seemed to impact me, and maybe it's just because of the time of the year, but it was from a researcher from the university from the University of Limerick, Ireland. And he he talked about the research that his team has been doing on brain function and then the connection that that um having adequate levels of zinc in the diet has to the brain and the body. Um particularly in um, mothers who have a deficiency of zinc in their diet. So they're actually beginning to uncover this connection where they believe that there's a correlation between not having enough zinc in the mother's diet during pregnancy and then autism in children. So like that's on the human side. There's they're they're kind of starting to uncover this and there's becoming a lot more research around that particular topic and correlation. Um, and of course, you know, he he was presenting at an equine science meeting. And so um, he, you know, started to pull in kind of these thoughts and theories and, you know, what ifs when it comes to horses and this same, you know, zinc deficiency phenomenon. And, you know, he made the comment, he said, what if, you know, dummy foal syndrome? 
um, that that could very possibly be linked and be kind of along that same vein um, as what they are seeing on the human side with autism in children. Um, so what they're finding is that when mothers are on a zinc deficient diet, their offspring actually have more anxiety. They have deficits in their um, social communication. They have impaired cognitive function. Um, they don't interact as well socially as their peers that were in normal diets. Um, and then they also tend to have like repetitive behaviors. So kind of these motor stereotypes, um, if you will. And they also have connected this prenatal zinc deficiency with things like chronic inflammation in the body, um, leaky gut syndrome, and then also even going so far as to find that there's an altered microbiome in these offspring. So, you know, I couldn't help but let my own mind just sort of run wild with all of the what ifs in the equine world, right? I mean, here we are in the spring, there are babies hitting the ground everywhere. Um, there are breeders that are breeding mares right now, just all of the whole reproduction and mare equine, you know, breeding operation stuff is happening right now. And so, you know, there are so many pregnant mares out there right this very second, either pregnant about to have a baby or pregnant just conceived or about to conceive. Um, and, and many of them have zinc deficient diets because people don't understand that forage alone does not provide proper levels of zinc for pregnant mares. And no, adding oats as a grain does not fix that deficiency, okay? So, you know, th then you've got people out there that maybe they're feeding a mineral fortified feed, but they're not feeding it at the recommended rates. Uh, or, or maybe the feed itself was formulated to be, you know, an all stock feed and it's not actually meeting the true needs of a horse. Um, so we've got all of these, you know, innocent babies inside of some really amazing mares who are basically being set up right this moment for either amazing success or unfortunate failure. So, I mean, imagine if more people understood that by just providing the right trace minerals to a pregnant mare, they could actually help that foal have better brain function, help make them less nervous, help, help improve their trainability, right? And later on in life, maybe they're less likely to, to suffer from digestive disasters like leaky gut syndrome and, you know, an imbalance or dysbiosis of the microbiome or the hindgut, right? I mean, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's amazing <laughs> to sit in on these meetings and these uh, presentations on the research and just learn how something as seemingly simple as zinc can have such just a profound effect on the body. Okay, I guess the topic of this episode is not Dr. Jimmy on a soapbox, although I do highly recommend that every person have their mare on a solid trace mineral program from the moment that they even think about breeding that mare, okay? <laughs> that nutrition must be there from the moment of conception. I, I do not, I repeat, I do not, please do not wait until the last trimester to start feeding your mare the vitamins and the minerals that she needs. I mean, just so much important framework for that foal is being laid down in that early pregnancy. And we know that trace minerals directly impact the quality of that framework. So if you need somewhere to start, <laughs> I recommend that you look at 101 Diet Balancer from Stride Animal Health. Um, or if you want a full-on feed, I would suggest checking out Intensify Growth and Development by Blue Bonnet Feeds. Okay, sorry. Um, 
little bit of a rabbit trail there, but just those meetings this week were just really a lot of fun and I learned a lot. So that was, that was just one small segment <laughs> of the things that I sat in on, but I just wanted to share that with you guys. So let's transition. Let's get into today's episode. Um, we are going to talk about fodder. I've had quite a few inquiries on fodder in the last several weeks. So there must be something floating around out there that has people buzzing and questioning, you know, what fodder is, how it's used, um, does it have a place for horses? So for those of you who are maybe not familiar, um, fodder is basically a, a, a sprouted seed, okay, and then it's like partially grown. So if you've ever been in the grocery store and seen those little clear cartons of like alfalfa sprouts in the produce section, um, that's, that's basically the concept of, of fodder for livestock. Um, or maybe some of you grow your own sprouts for use on salads and cooking. I actually, I actually grew them myself for a bit. Um, my mom sent me these little alfalfa seeds and she, you know, gave me the directions on how to do all of it. So I actually did grow my own alfalfa sprouts for a bit, not for my horses, but for myself. Um, I'm a really big fan of them. I, I think they, taste fantastic. And I love putting them on my salads and stuff. So I can't really remember why I quit growing them, but I did. So maybe I think I might've just inspired myself to start back up. So anyway, um, operations that are using fodder as part of their nutrition program, um, they're going to have these grow rooms and some equipment that they have invested in. Right. So, um, Large, like large commercial fodder sprouting systems are going to generate, I mean, they're going to generate in excess of, you know, 20,000 pounds of fresh fodder each day. Um, so that, that would be something that you would see used in a dairy operation. Okay. But then there are also, you know, there's this whole range of, you know, sizes of these systems and how much they can put out. And so if you were to go with just like a single, you know, kind of one, one, one farm, you know, like small grow system, um, you can find those that will produce, you know, anywhere from just like 25 pounds a day to 250 pounds per day. Um, and then, you know, so there's everything, basically there's everything from 25 pounds a day to 20,000 pounds per day. So just kind of depends on, on what you're after. Um, it takes around a week uh, to grow your fodder sprouts to the point where you would actually feed them. Um, the exact specifics are, are going to depend, you know, on the system that you use and, and all of that. So the, you know, the general range, if you will, is going to be kind of between four inches to 12 inches tall. Um, you know, as far as like the height of that, those sprouts when you actually feed them. And then they have what we, what they call a root mat. Okay. So if you think back to, you know, the grocery store produce section and you're looking at that little uh, clear carton of alfalfa sprouts, you know, the top half of it is all green and leafy and kind of alfalfa-y sprouty. And the bottom of it is kind of this like thick matted intertwined tangled up mess of white roots, right? Well, that's the same thing that it's going to look like um, in these fodder systems. So the top part of it, you know, that four to 12 inches um, is going to be tall, green, sprouty, you know, sprouts. And then the bottom um, one to three inches is going to be this um, mat of, of roots. And so basically you just um, lift the fodder out of the tray, the, the sprouts, the root mat, all of it, you just like lift this whole thing out of the tray and then you just haul it or cart it or carry it, you know, to your horse. 
and the horse is going to eat it all, right? They're going to eat the roots. They're going to eat the green. They're going to eat, they're going to eat all of it. Just like we would eat sprouts on our salads, right? We just, we just eat all of it. Now, the big thing to remember with fodder is the water content is very high. Okay. So if you were to lift out a sheet or a matter, I, I don't really know what, what they call it, but if you were to pick up and weigh a section of fodder, um, that would not be an equal feeding rate to picking up and weighing regular hay. Okay. So regular hay is going to generally be around 90% dry matter. So um, that means, you know, 10% of that weight is water or moisture. So if you're weighing up, let's say you have um, a, a flake or two of hay and you were to weigh that and it weighed 10 pounds, um, about 10% of that weight is water. So that means that you actually, even though you're putting 10 pounds of physical substance in front of your horse, you're only actually feeding nine pounds, right? Because 10% of it is moisture. Well, fodder is actually... Um, I mean, it's almost flip-flopped, right? So um, when fodder is to the point of feeding, the dry matter is is going to generally be less than 15%, okay? So that means that, what, 85% of it is moisture, okay? So if you wanted to try to replace your normal 10-pound feeding of hay, right, you would actually have to feed 60 pounds of fodder. Yeah, you heard me right. 60, like six zero <laughs> pounds of fodder, right? In order to get that same dry matter basis feeding of that, you know, nine pounds of hay. So that brings me to my my first point. You have to grow a lot of, of fodder, a lot more than you realize um, if your goal is to completely replace hay or forage. Um so how much is that? That's that's one of the common questions. <laughs> um, let's say that you have a 500 kilogram or a, a, an 1100 pound horse and you want them to eat, you know, say the normal 2% body weight per day in, in dry matter. Okay. That's, that's our normal standard. Well, that is 10 kilograms or 22 pounds of dry matter. So you would have to grow and feed over 145 pounds or over 66 kilograms of fodder per day per horse. Okay. So per 24 hour period. Now it's completely doable. And, um, you know, and I suppose, I, I guess I don't know this off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. And, but I suppose it's possible to feed only, you know, one or maybe one and a half percent of body weight in fodder. Um, but even if you went, even if you dropped it in half, even if you went to that, you know, one percent of, of body weight, you're still looking at like over, you know, 70 or 75 pounds of actual weight of fodder per day. So on that note, I think, you know, the real value in fodder, at least in my mind, is as a replacement for cereal grains. Okay. So things like oats and corn, um, Let's say that you were feeding four pounds per day of oats, okay? You could replace that with 24 pounds of fodder. And and I mean, that's a lot more realistic, right? Because you'd offer 12 pounds of fodder in the morning, 12 pounds in the evening, instead of your, you know, two pounds of oats morning and night. So the benefit is that, you know, your since that fodder has so much water in it, um, your horse's water intake is actually going to increase, right? Because that fodder is nearly 85% water. 
Um, now, an unintended uh, side effect might be diarrhea or a very runny manure, um, at least when you first introduce it. So that would definitely be a reason that you would need to start it slowly and transition into it very carefully. Um, someone had asked about the NSC or the starch and sugar content of fodder, and I was able to find an analysis that was run by um, one of the zoos in California, actually, that's using fodder on some some animals, and they had posted an analysis, and that fodder um, was around 31% NSC or non-structural carbs. Um, so just as a quick reminder, NSC um, you calculate that by adding your starch plus your sugar content. Um, so on that particular forage analysis that I saw, that fodder, um, it's about 22% sugar and about 9% starch. So that means it's not going to be ideal for horses with metabolic conditions. Okay. So if anybody out there, you know, has like a laminitic horse or, um, you know, an insulin resistant horse or horse with Cushing's or one that ties up or any of those kind of things. Um, and you were thinking about fodder, um, you can probably just stop your, <laughs> your thought process there. Cause it's, it's probably not going to be the best choice for those particular horses. Um, and then other people were curious, you know, what is, what is it the protein content look like on fodder? So on that same analysis, protein was almost 15%, um, which means it would be similar to feeding, you know, a, a low quality alfalfa, or it would be similar to feeding a really high quality grass hay. Um, you know, I think, I think with fodder, you just kind of have to weigh your options, um, you know, do you have time each day? Uh, do you have the manpower to, you know, start the sprouts? Um, you know, I'm, you'd have to learn what that whole process is entails. Um, you know, how large of a system would you need for the number of horses that you plan to feed? Um, do you have room for the system, right? Do you have the physical space in your barn uh, to, to have the grow system? Do you have, you know, the, the money available for, you know, that upfront investment? Um, of course, it's going to take electricity. Do you have, you know, is electricity run to the location in which you would like to put the fodder system? Um, of course, you're going to have the additional electrical costs um, for your operation to run it. Um, all kinds of things that, that you should, you know, think about considering if, if you want to introduce fodder into your program. Um, of course, if you know when you're trying to decide how much you'll need to grow each day, you have to decide: Are you going to use fodder as a supplement to the current hay program and the current grain program, or are you using fodder as a replacement for all forage or a replacement for all grain? Right. Um, if you're using fodder as a replacement for all grain or all hay. Um, you need to make sure that you incorporate a vitamin and mineral um, into the diet. So a diet balancer, because fodder is going to definitely have some nutritional gaps, especially for performance horses. Um, so again, I had mentioned 101 diet balancer earlier in the episode. This would actually be another really good situation for that particular supplement um, just to go in there and fill in those gaps um, or those holes in the fodder diet where, where um, you know, the trace minerals and the vitamin contents are not where we need them to be. Um, you know, actually speaking, speaking of performance horses, one other thing to keep in mind is, um, 
is whether or not your horses will be traveling, right? So you can't exactly lug a whole fodder system around with you in in your trailer, right? So it's probably not an ideal approach for horses that are going to be traveling and competing because you don't want their diet to be different on the road compared to what they have at home, right? Those That would be a really immediate change under a very stressful situation to completely change that horse's diet from fodder to hay when you, when you leave to go to a show or a competition. So, um, you know, that's, I guess I didn't think about that earlier when I was talking, but for performance horses, fodder, fodder might not be the best um, situation just because you can't continue that diet um, on a daily basis. So I've not ever used fodder myself, um, but I have been on an operation that does. And that particular operation used it in lieu of grain. So they, they still fed the normal amounts of hay, but then at at, you know, the normal grain feeding time, instead of using oats or a sweet feed like they used to do, um, they just switched it up and they started offering fodder. And the horses, of course, loved it. Um, you know, that won't ever be a problem. Palatability won't ever be a problem with fodder. Um, horses love fresh green grass. So, you know, if, if anybody's interested in learning more about a fodder system, um, I suggest, you know, just just do an online search for for fodder. It's F-O-D-D-E-R is how you spell fodder. Um, I'm, I'm not familiar enough with the brands on the market to make any kind of, you know, good recommendation. But I do know that, that, that there are a lot of them out there. And I'm sure that, you know, the, the reps for those companies would be more than happy to provide you with the kind of information that you need to to make a good decision. So, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Again, I appreciate it when you guys submit these these kinds of questions. It helps keep me online, um, on track with the the kind of information and topics that you guys want to hear about. Um, again, this you know this podcast is supposed to be educational and and entertaining and informational and all of those things. So I want to make sure that I'm keeping things relevant um, to what you guys want to hear about. So I really appreciate your support. Um, Again, if you if you have questions or or want to kind of continue this conversation of fodder, um, check out at Dr. Jimmy on Facebook or Instagram, and there will be a designated post for this episode. Episode, just drop those comments in there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.